new song. Oh, okay. Hey, welcome. I won't even put that in there anymore. I'm sorry. I'm ready. <laughs> welcome to Those, Those Two Chicks, chicks with, with a podcast? podcast? Question mark, exclamation, dot, dot, dot. My name's Jordan. <laughs> My name's Emma Grace. And we're doing the damn thing again. Mm-hmm. Today's our first Tuesday episode. It is. But we're recording on a Thursday. Yes. To get ahead of the game. So you guys are in the future. Mm-hmm. Or we're in the past, however you want to think about it. <laughs> Mind blown. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how um, was your week? I'm so embarrassed what? to tell you. <laughs> so when you left, okay, okay, Sunday, yeah, okay, I uh, was trying to be a good person. I'm like, oh, let me just make some spaghetti. I'll whip it up. And it's been like three hours. And uh, after after eating oh, spaghetti, okay, okay, I was gonna say it took I me made... three hours to make the spaghetti. No, no, no. Okay. And I made the spaghetti. We were just eating dinner on the Uh couch, watching some TV. Yeah. And then I was like, "Mm, it's kind of late, so I'm just going to probably get ready for bed. Yeah. I have a thing now. I have to pee before I go to bed, or I'm going to wake up. Is that like like an old person thing? I think so. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I have to, too, though. It's affecting me, though. Yeah. And I went to the bathroom, and Uh so I I do my business. Yeah. I open up the door. Uh The stove is on. On Ooh. low. Oh. But I never turned it off. So I go up to the pot. It's just black. <gasps> it's oh, just... the shit. Your food was still in the pot. Because oh, I had... So I had leftovers, oh but never mind. <laughs> you could have burned your house down. Dude, and then... that would be the worst way to lose your house to spaghetti. I know. To spaghetti. I'm I'm like, what oh, do I tell? I call you up and go, hey. We um... burned our studio. I was making spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, and then um, the second thing, okay, I got you to appreciate this. Yes. So obviously you guys don't know this, but I work at a high school as like an extracurricular to help out. I help out assist the musicals and plays and yes. I do choreography. Okay. Doing that for five years. And the students are something else sometimes. So they come up to me, they say, hey, they call me Eminem. Oh, that's because- kind of cute. Because I am Slim Shady, apparently, oh. to them. I can't rap, but that's okay. But anyway, so they're like, hey, would you like to buy some butter braids for me? Because it's a fundraiser. I'm like, oh, no. no. Would you like to buy my five-year-old butter braids? You still have some? I have so many oh of them. Oh, my God. I'm like, I don't need any more butter. But I wanted to ask you, do you remember how? Tell, tell them, because in choir, we were in choir together. Yes. And the fundraiser was always butter braids. Yes. I never bought any. No, I never I did. I didn't like them. I didn't either. Didn't we used to have a butter braid dance? We did. And I'd twerk. Yeah. For butter braids. <laughs> you did. But I didn't really like them. And no, they're, they're so, like, they, you have to, like, thaw them out. Oh. Leave them on your counter for, like, 12 hours. And then you have to bake them. 12 hours? It's something crazy okay. like that. They're not a, just pop them in your oven real quick. Yeah. Like, you have to let them rise and everything. Oh. Okay. But... Choir always sold them, uh-huh. and then eventually the National Honor Society. Oh, that's them. why does everyone? But sell here's the thing: when I was in National Honor Society, you had to sell three or pay them twenty three bucks. <gasps> Are you so, kidding? Why? But that's no, crazy. like I have so many butter braids, and one year they exploded <gasps> in my freezer. Oh, <laughs> blueberry came like, out. Like you didn't, you didn't cook me soon enough. <laughs> but no, but they it cracked me up because they're like, "Do you want to buy my butter braids?" I'm like, "Guys, <laughs> do you want to buy my butter braids?" <laughs> <laughs> They've been fermenting. They have amazing flavor now. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Mine are ten dollars more, but they taste way. They <laughs> gotta make some profit after. You should give them to them and say sell these two, right? Just for your own pop profit. Then I realized I hate fundraisers. Oh yeah, for sure. I hate them. I tried to sell for my kid, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm gonna sell so many of these random. It was random shit. It wasn't mm-hmm. even like a theme. Oh. And I was like, I'm gonna sell so much for him and get him a cool prize. No, we sold. I don't think we sold anything, and he got a stamper, like a little smiley face. <laughs> That's it. I, w- so. I wish it was a sad face. Oh, like, like mm-mm. Mm-mm. you didn't sell anything. We don't like you anymore. Because <laughs> your mom sucks. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, that's a good, yeah. I that would sell them. That's a good business. Yeah. You that- should be like, these are fresh. <laughs> and just, just make some money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they might blow up in your freezer at a certain point. So, you bought a lot of them then. Well, yep. <laughs> but- what? Aren't you, are you running out of room in your freezer, though, for having a bunch of butter braids in there? Well, I never, I feel really bad, but like like you said, I never sold any for the choir. Oh, that was for the National Honor That's yeah. horrible. For our choir. And I was, choir I was in the National Honor Society for three years. I have for nine, what, though? I had nine butter bricks. <laughs> for what? I don't remember. So yeah, that's good. Well, I'm anyway. proud of you for being in the National Honor Society. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, cool. Well, this is our first true crime episode, guys. Yeah. So if true crime's your thing, mm-hmm. you're probably going to like our Tuesday episodes because that's going to be our little Tuesday theme. Yes. Tuesdays are for true crime. Mm-hmm. That's that's our first slogan. Yeah. Are you ready No. for this one? Because I think there's going to be lots of twists and turns, and you said it's going to make me mad. So yeah. I'm nervous. Yeah. Okay, let's okay. go. Uh, before we start talking about this case, I would like to add a disclaimer that the following episode contains graphic details about the murder, violence on children, sexual assault, and talk of suicide. Viewer discretion is advised. Our case today takes place in the summer of 1968. And this is the tragic case of the murder of the Robinson family. But I will say I had to YouTube this and everybody, every news article says Robeson or Robinson. How is it spelled? R-O-B-I-S-O-N. Oh, yeah, because it's not Robinson. No. You're missing an N. I know. I would say Robison. I would say Robison. But it also sounds like you're not saying a word correctly. Mm-hmm. Are they sure they didn't just miss an N? No, that's how it is. Okay. But every, so every news station was different. They said Robison or Robins, Robison. So I'm going to say Robison yeah, that's for okay. this whole thing. That's I'm what sorry. I would say. If it's wrong. <laughs> if it's wrong, go yell at somebody else because I don't have the time tonight. I try. You don't. I was in the National Honor Society. I said it right. <laughs> okay, so about the case. Richard Robison was a successful 42-year-old man who worked in advertising and was a publisher for an art magazine. Richard's wife, Shirley, was 40 years old. Richard and Shirley had four children together. Richard Jr., who was 19 and a student at Eastern Michigan University. Gary, who was 16. Randall, who was 12. And their youngest, Susan, who was 8. Oh. The Robinson family can be described as your classic upper-middle-class family that lived in Detroit. Many would describe Richard as an honorable man with no known enemies. However, lead detective on this case, Lloyd Stearns, would soon discover, and I quote, What's on the surface isn't always what you hang your hat on. Oh, I like mm-hmm. that. They did discover that Richard's advertising business had been losing money. I'm going to read an article that was written by the Detroit Free Press. Police discovered that Robison's art magazine had inflated its circulation numbers and was using full-page airline ads without authorization to make the magazine appear more prosperous. Detectives were puzzled by letters and drawings found among Robison's business papers. Okay. They found this stuff to a $100 million computerized warehousing scheme with investors known as the Superior Table. What? Mm -hmm. The group was headed by a mysterious figure named Robert. 
not Robert. It is Robert. Friends in the business associates had no idea. All this information may detectives realize that a list of potential murder suspects might grow. Oh my God. So all of that, they found this sadly after this whole So tragedy. explain this to me again. He's running this magazine mm -hmm. and it's being funded by shady people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's okay. what it sounds like. Yeah. So it's just like a lot under the surface, but clear, they're Weird. in Detroit. He's very successful, and no one knew any of this. So people okay. were like, no, that's not that kind of family. Do they think it was kind of like a money scheme, like something? That's what they're thinking. Okay, but okay. it gets interesting. Oh. So the family did own a cottage that was located in Goodhart, Michigan, which is a quiet area that sits between Petoskey and Mackinac City. Okay. And it's on Lake Michigan. Oh, pretty. So on July 16th, 1968, the family packed up their car and traveled to their cabin. Okay. Nine days later, on the morning of June 25th, Richard made several phone calls from the cabin. He called the National Bank of Detroit and asked if a $200,000 deposit had arrived. He was told it hadn't. So Richard calls his office and asks to speak to Joseph Scalaro, who was in charge while Richard was on vacation. Mm -hmm. The rest of the conversation is unknown, but we will talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> what we do know is that Richard had told several neighbors at the cabin that he would be flying out with his family that day, June 25th, to Kentucky and Florida. And Florida? Yeah. Okay. Some articles say that this was for a business deal and maybe other properties, but oh. no one gave me a clear answer on that. Okay. But he told, so he went up to the cabin. Yeah. He's from Detroit. That's what's so confused about this case. So right. he drove up north. Yeah. And then the neighbors by the cabin, he said, mm -hmm. we'll be leaving on June 25th. Because they got okay. there on the 16th. Okay. So he said, hey, we're going to be gone. Yeah. We'll be back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I get Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Sorry. No, you have to. It's just it's a lot. It is. Okay. Police can only theorize what happened that night of June 25th since there were no eyewitnesses. Richard Robison was relaxing in an easy chair with his youngest son, Randall, standing beside him. Mm -hmm. Shirley, his wife, sat in an armchair nearby. The oldest, Richard Jr., and Gary were playing cards at the table, and Susan was playing on the living room floor. Now... 27 days later. So 27 days later, it's now July of 1968. Okay. Neighbors were complaining how bad there was a terrible smell That's in the area. They could pinpoint it to the Robison cabin. A lot of the neighbors were worried because it was assumed they left for Kentucky and Florida to do something. So they thought something was wrong with the cabin itself. Oh. Okay. So they sent over the caretaker, who has known the family for a while. Okay. And the door was locked. No one answered. So he was able to break the door molding. That's when he discovered a body. Oh. And police were called to the scene. When police entered the cottage, the body that the caretaker discovered was Shirley Robison, mm -hmm. who was under a blanket near the door. She was nude from the waist down <gasps> and positioned in a manner to suggest sexual assault. Oh. That's Police. the mom. Yes, okay. Shirley's the mom. the mom. Police then discovered Richard's body in the hallway with Susan and Randy's body. Mm -hmm. Then they found the bodies of Richard Jr. and Gary in the bedroom. All six family members were murdered the night of June 25th, 1968, and were not found until 27 days later. I have goosebumps. I know. Ooh. That is a long time. That is a long time. So police started to look for clues. There was a suitcase that was partially packed and appeared that the family was dressed for travel. So they were getting ready to go. Exactly. And they found a note written by Richard that was posted outside the cabin that said, be back July 1st. Oh, so wow. because they were leaving, they found some money and jewelry were missing, mm -hmm. Shirley's $9,000 diamond ring and a string of pearls, 
Richard's watch and the $700 he had withdrawn from the local bank that morning. Other items, including cameras, electronic equipment, and wallets were left behind. Hmm. Police noted that the crime scene itself included a bloody hammer, shell casings, Ooh. and bloody footprints. Ooh. So this part is important okay. and devastating all at the same time. Oh no. This made me so mad. Okay. If there were fingerprints on the bloody hammer, they were wiped clean when a sheriff's deputy <sighs> held up the hammer for a news photographer. Oh my god. The more I looked into the case, the more I discovered that this happened quite a bit. Oh, Especially why? because it was the 60s and they didn't, I don't they think they really, really knew. But in the 60s they had fingerprints, I'm pretty sure. They did, but the technology was still, I mean, for like a better term, just like pretty shitty yeah. still. Because they didn't have oh, what we have so today. Mad. Come on. I know. It's a murder weapon. What are you doing? You're like, oh, Huzzah, take a picture of this. Exactly. So makes me that so was our really crucial part of evidence. Okay. Okay. Yes, that probably would be the most important part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the police noted that the initial autopsies had to be done at the Emmett County Fairgrounds because the smell <gasps> and the advanced state of decomposition made it impractical to bring the bodies into the morgue. Oh, my God. Not to mention, when they were initially looking for clues, they had to all wear gas masks. Wow. But it's been 27 days. And, and it's the summer. The summer. And it gets worse. Oh, how does it get worse? Two autopsies were done. Shirley was shot in the head. Richard, who was laying on top of the hot air register, was shot in the chest and the head, but they found skull fractures, so they believed that was to be blunt force trauma from the yeah. hammer. Richard Jr. had multiple gunshots to the head, oh. and Gary also had two gunshot wounds. Mm -hmm. Their son Randall's cause of death was listed as a gunshot wound to the head, but no bullet was recovered during the autopsy. Oh, interesting. The youngest Susan was believed to have been shot in the face, but <gasps> she also had a skull fracture again, most likely oh, from the hammer. Come on, not the no. baby. But she was not sexually assaulted no just the mom but they don't know oh, that was yeah. never talked about again so it was like suggested in the newspaper the emmett county sheriff department michigan state police and petoskey news review did provide information and a diagram of like what happened that evening mm -hmm. so one the killer shot a rifle through the front window hitting richard in the chest and oh. probably gary in the back while he was playing cards oh two the killer entered the cabin and shot shirley randy and then susan as she ran for cover three the older boys ran for the back bedroom mm -hmm. where a rifle was kept in the closet but the killer got to them first mm -hmm. four the killer then bludgeoned susan with a hammer and then shot each family member in the head with a handgun the killer then locked the doors closed the shades and put cardboard over the bullet holes in the window the heater was left running oh so my god that's why it's July. And one body was over the heater, you said. Yes, uh, Richard. But that's when you walked in, there was just the smell of... I wonder why they did yeah. that. I don't know. It's almost like, why would, wouldn't you want to keep it off? But I don't think the decomposing maybe. would do anything. Well, maybe they thought it would get rid of evidence if it decomposed more. Maybe. That was something I thought was just kind of that's odd. weird. Maybe they... I, don't, I was just thinking maybe they were trying to start a fire, but that doesn't really make sense. Mm -mm. Police started by talking with neighbors nearby to see if they heard or noticed anything at the end of June. Okay. Which was kind of hard for some neighbors because we're now in July. Been a while. Yeah. Yeah. So a local man and teen who handled tree trimming for the family on June 25th were likely the last to see the family alive. Mm -hmm. Then a couple that lived a quarter mile down the beach said they heard gunshots and loud voices of two males and a female coming from the direction of the cottage. 
Here's what the neighbor had to say, and I quote, mm-hmm. We just heard a series of shots, one with a short little pause, and then three or four others after that. It was still light out, so we thought that somebody was shooting seagulls on the beach. <laughs> Is that a thing? People do that? I guess in the 60s. Probably in the 60s, that makes I don't sense. know. I would also like to mention that the family's closest neighbors weren't home that evening. Uh, okay. But that people said that they would put up their cabin for sale after the murders and never return to Goodhart. This case took so long to even find some sort of conclusion or where to go from here. Yeah. And for a lot of people, the case is solved in their opinion. Oh. And others still believe there's a mystery to it. Because this wasn't the family's full-time residence, mm-hmm. technically the crime scene expanded from Detroit to good heart oh okay. if you think about it because they this was their vacation home yeah but it could easily be some from detroit right there are a few suspects that went on the police's radar but really one that stood out the most for them okay but i would like to state that the specific case had so many people split on for who they believe did it oh okay and i wanted to look into each theory mm-hmm. um and like every person had a completely different opinion yeah which i found was kind of fascinating because you don't see that all the time usually it's pretty split 50 50 yeah. or even more so but there are three people that are the suspects for this specific case and everyone has different opinions why okay okay the first suspect was the caretaker oh the caretaker chauncey who also went by Monty bliss he did pass away in 1980 at 69 years old but he and his father built the cabin for the Robinsons mm-hmm. and others as well in the 1950s. Okay. Goodhart residents described Monty as a strange and sometimes frightening fellow who liked oh. to talk to the spirits. Oh. That was a quote from an article. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. A little suspicious. Uh-huh. They said he had a quick temper and a fascination with fire. Two nights before Robinson's murder took place, Monty's son Norman was killed in a motorcycle accident. <gasps> mm-hmm. Norman, who was 18, was also a friend of Richard's son's. Oh. And the funeral was to be on June 25th, the same day that they were supposed to be leaving for Kentucky. Okay. So it was stated that Richard stopped by the house to offer condolences. He gave Monty's wife, Dorothy, $20 to buy flowers for the funeral. Mm -hmm. He expressed regret that his family could not attend. Mm -hmm. Goodhart was a small area. A lot of residents thought that this was a rude gesture. Oh, because he's just like, here's money for your flowers. Uh Yeah. And a longtime resident who wants to remain anonymous said, up here, it's all tied to Norman. It is rumored that Bliss told several people that the Robinsons got what they deserved. And one resident said that he even confessed to the murders, Mm -hmm. but they were ramblings and incoherent monologues. Huh. And the Bliss family dismissed the allegations as small town gossip. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I I understand where I'm like, maybe not him, just because... That's a lot to do to somebody, just so... I mean, I understand, like, that would probably be a big deal. Yeah. But I guess to go... Well, if he's mentally unstable, though. And I really don't, it sounds like the, the, it doesn't sound like the neighbors were too fond of him. Like they didn't, right. they didn't talk highly of him. I guess for that family's sake, mm-hmm. I can see where it might just be small town gossip because they didn't really say anything yeah. nice. They said he was odd. Right. Okay. So, so they but usually I, blame the black sheep. Right. So, and that's where I kind of took yeah. that. But also I'm like. It's funny that people say he admitted to it later. Right. Why would people say that? Or him just even saying they got where they deserve. But yeah, that seems odd. Well, you know, he could have said that just if, if they were just murdered and he wasn't the one who did it. Like, because right. he was mad at them. Exactly. That seems more, even though that's horrible to say, I think that's more of a logical reaction if you're really mad at somebody. Mm-hmm. 
and you think they really disrespected your dead son, I feel like that's a little more plausible. Yeah. But interesting. Okay. So the second suspect was John Norman Collins. His case alone is so interesting. Mm -hmm. And John was known for a series of murders that took place from 1967 to 1968 in Michigan. So straight up murderer. Yes. Okay. This is my kind of opinion on it. Yeah. I think to police, it just fit the timeline. Okay. And the only real connection is that Richard's oldest son, Richard Jr., went to the same university as John. Oh. They were both at East. Eastern Did they Michigan have University. any classes or anything, though? Well, they didn't say that. Yeah. So, and, and John's victims were usually young teenage girls. That doesn't make sense at all. So then. really, there would be a lack of motive, as well as whether, like we thought, like, do they even know each other? Did he sexually assault these girls? Or yeah. did he murder? I think both. Both? Because I just wonder with the sexual assault of the wife. That's where I think they just kind um, of pulled that but in I, there. Would he have any reason to be up north? That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. They're probably just trying to find somebody who would fit the bill. That's where I was thinking. Interesting. Okay. So there's not much information on him because I think they were like... I would say more the first guy sounds more plausible than the second. Right. Yeah. So the last suspect and the most controversial one uh-huh. is Richard's business partner, Joseph Sclaro. Oh. So Joseph started working for Richard in 1965 and quickly gained Richard's trust. Mm-hmm. After the murders took place, an audit noted that nearly $60,000 was taken out from the account months before the family was killed. Okay. Only Richard and Joseph had access to this account. Mm-hmm. Investigators believe that Joseph had been giving himself a large raise and other employees without Richard's knowledge. Oh. He was also writing lar- larger than normal amounts on pre-signed checks. Okay. Now let's go back to that phone call that uh-huh. I mentioned earlier. Yes. I read that Richard called the banker. Mm-hmm. He called his banker to find out how much money was gone from the account. Mm-hmm. And then he called the office. Okay. So this is all on June 25th. Yes. Do they have what time these phone calls were made? In the morning. So, of course, the receptionist answered the phone. That receptionist later told the police that on the phone, Richard was furious and demanded to talk to Joseph immediately. Mm -hmm. They could tell it was an intense phone conversation, and at 10.30 a.m., Joseph left the office. Oh, shit. Okay. So police went to question Joseph about where he was when he left the office. Mm-hmm. He stated that he went to a plumbing convention. Why? I don't he know. works for a magazine. I know. Oh. Unless they go to different conventions for it, like if they're sponsors what or something. What magazine is it again? It's an art magazine. What? I don't know. I didn't get that part. That's weird. Well, I just think that's not a very good alibi. No, but it gets better. And then after the convention was over, he walked to the bar and had two drinks. He then went shopping before driving home in the rain. Before returning home, he stopped at the Robinsons' house in Detroit to check for flooding because of how crazy the storm was, Mm -hmm. and he knew they were up north. Mm -hmm. He said he arrived home to his wife and children between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. Police were unable to get an alibi from him. I was just about to say, what about a receipt for whatever he bought? They... Nothing added Nothing. Up. And I wonder, were the bodies too decomposed? And they probably weren't, like, the science wasn't as good back then to tell what time these people died. Mm-hmm. They could just tell Joel, June 25th. Because wow. because they knew, and they were, like, looking at it, like, when they were said they were going to leave here, they were leaving this day, they could tell that the suitcase was partially packed, and they yeah. looked like they were dressed to go leave. Okay. Hmm. But it was still light out, so it was evening. But, again, yeah, the lack of... Interesting. The time frame of being 68. Yeah. Because this case was taking so long, and Ebbett County was not helpful with this case, and they didn't want to press charges against Joseph. What? (laughs) 
it was stated that Emmett County at the time wasn't very helpful because of how expensive it would be. Oh my which god. Which includes finding more evidence. Which now that's you too look at it. To find more evidence. And that's where people had two different things. They're wondering because they weren't full time residents that mm-hmm. this they're like, well, this was a cabin. Right. So but they it was six bodies. Yeah. You had to exhume all of them again. Like they were just like, no, because this <sighs> case was taking so long that technology was improving. Yeah. However, there's just nothing. Even now. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Police, they had no weapons mm-hmm. or DNA. Well, they and did have a weapon and they messed with it. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. they had nothing. Yeah. So wow. apparently in the newspaper article, and this is just allegedly, mm-hmm. they found hair on Shirley's body. Investigators never tested the hair to see if it was matched the suspects. <laughs> and no one knows why. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. For four years, police were pressuring Joseph and hoping he would confess. It was noted somewhere that he failed two lie detectors, but that process in itself is controversial right. to me because whether that's a reliable source, yeah, and I don't, some I don't, be- I don't believe in those. No. Yeah, there's been too many times where people pass and they did it. It makes or, no sense. Or they you were know. innocent and they failed. Yeah. Really. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a man named Richard Wiles, who was a retired high school history teacher and self-proclaimed MythBuster. <laughs> Invested a lot of time trying to prove that Joseph did it. Oh, he and, did? Yeah, and oh. so he, I mean, this case went on for like 50 years, and people were like, what wow. the heck is going on, you know? He looked at the facts being that he had no alibi for 12 hours, right. which was enough time to drive to the cabin and back within a day. He also said they worked together, and Joseph knew where the cabin was. Of course, so did the caretaker, yeah. but that was Wiles' point, Yeah, was that this wasn't, this is a nice, beautiful, private area. Yeah. Not like you can just come find it. They found that Joseph purchased guns. Oh my god. The exact same guns that were used at the crime. Oh, come on. <laughs> when Joseph was questioned about the purchase and how could that be a coincidence, mm-hmm. he said he bought two of each, gave a pistol to Richard, and gave the other two rifles away. What? Police also found boots at Joseph's home that was a match for the footprints at the crime scene. Are you fucking kidding me? However, <laughs> the boots they found were brand new. The only tag still on them, never been well, used. Well, did he just wash them? Did he leave the tag on and... So they weren't it. But many noted that, and this was, I found, like, Richard Wiles, one of, he has many articles. Okay. But he said, if Joseph might had a, th- had a thing mm-hmm. for buying two of each item, which yeah. is just an opinion and a theory. However, if he bought two of each of the guns, right. two pistols, two rifles, however, can't find all four guns, why couldn't he have bought two boots? Right. That's interesting. But obviously, you know, again, just how the law is. It's also weird, though. Why would you buy two of everything? Yeah. Maybe he was doing something to help cover up his evidence or something. Right. And so, and that's one thing, like, you have to understand, like, they're still innocent till proven guilty. But it was just so many, like, are you kidding me? Way too many coincidences. Are you kidding me? But they couldn't just arrest him saying, these match our footprints. Well, it's all circumstantial. Especially when they were brand new. Right. And, like, how bad does that look? You're going to arrest someone for brand new boots because they just yeah. happen to match. Well, all I'm wondering is if he, like, cleaned the bottoms of them, but they're at a time where you can't... Because now they can test for cleaners. Right. Like, they can see where a cleaner exactly. was that could clean blood, but I don't know if they could right. now, you know. So, again, this case was hard. There yeah. was tampered evidence, no weapons, no DNA, no alibi that made sense. Not to mention, on top of all of that, that Emmett County was very fiscally conservative yeah and just they did not help richard wiles states many times in all of his findings because with all of the alibi evidence but like no physical evidence mm-hmm. they wouldn't press charges still because oh they couldn't because they're 
I mean, and you look at that to this day and age, yeah. like, obviously, you could have tested everything. Yes. You wouldn't have touched the bloody hammer. Yes. And that would have, we would have been able to end this case. Because right. they ruined yes. all the evidence, tampered with it, and then they had nothing and no help. They're like, we can just arrest him because you don't like him. Eventually, Emmett County drops the case, and it shifted to Oakland County, where the Robinson family is from. Right. So this is a big break for them. Yeah. Because... Well, I'm sure they have more resources. Yeah. yeah. And... A witness tells police that they have some information. <gasps> so they call him up and say, hey, I'm not sure if you knew this information. Okay. <laughs> but Joseph's father-in-law owns a private gun shooting range. Oh, my God. So guess what? The police go there yeah. and find the exact shell casings oh. that were found at the crime scene. Oh, are you kidding And me? that was their moment to press charges. Okay, good, good. So just to let you know, what we were looking at June 25th, 1968. Mm-hmm. It's now 1973 in March. Oh, my God. So five years. Yeah, five years wow. later. The police are ready to charge Joseph for the murders. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a rumor. Yeah. But they believe someone in the police office knew Joseph's family and let them know. Oh, Again, no. that's not confirmed, Stop. but I came across information in a newspaper Do and a few articles. Do not tell me he got away. Emma, <laughs> do not tell me. On March 8th, 1973, Joseph, who was 38 years old at the time, closed the door to his office and took his own life. He left two notes. The first on his office door that warned his mother not to enter. Oh. The second note that was found by his body said the following, and I quote, I am a liar, a cheat, a phony, but I am not a killer. I am scared and sick. He listed the names of six people that he owed money to and then wrote, I did not kill the Robinsons. Joseph's death ended the investigation immediately. Detective Stern stated that he still believed Joseph killed the family to cover up his embezzlement of the agency's money. Yeah. And this is a quote from Detective Stern's. He had the time, he had the motive, and he had the means to carry it out. The case itself was put under an active file. Huh. The case had so many conspiracy theorists, mm-hmm. and really, if you the bottom line to it is just the case never got to the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And it was stated that many people couldn't get over the hammer that was used. Okay. Because you look at if it was John Collins or someone else yeah. that, that wasn't even listed here, Yeah. you could easily go into a room and shoot everybody. Yeah. And that's a very common murder, which is very yeah. sad to talk about. But yeah. when you use a hammer on top of a gun, that is that's so personal. rage. Yeah, yeah, personal rage. Personal. So it's just this, people were going, they know who they you knew who they were then. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I was going to say about the wife being sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Did he do that to get at the husband? Yeah, I don't. That's I what I was no thinking idea. is maybe whoever did it, they didn't do anything to mm-hmm. the daughter. Thank the Lord that they did it. But yeah. obviously they weren't there just to sexually assault people, you know? Right. Like, so that's what I was thinking as soon as you said that. I was like, whoever did this must have had an issue with him. Mm-hmm. And I feel and like then, he would do that to the wife and mm-hmm. God knows if he saw it or what, you know? Right. And I don't know where the sexual assault is because mm-hmm. it said it was suggested. Okay. They did not say that she that was. she was. I feel yeah. like they would have noted that. And why were her pants down, though? I think just maybe throw off police. Okay. Oh, I mean, okay. if you walked I could in see there that. and you thought, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. this is a sexual assault. Mm-hmm. But now you have so many people that are yeah. scattered throughout this cabin. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's weird, too, that why they hit the daughter with the hammer? Because the husband was the only one who got hit other than her, right? Yeah. Because to me, that seemed really personal to hit him with the hammer. Uh-huh. But why the daughter? I, my own, I hate saying this, but my only thought is that maybe she wasn't dead. Mm, yeah. 
But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe something just... She wasn't dead yet. But then also, like, the other youngest boy, they never found a bullet. Right. I think it was just assumed. I mean, you have to look at everything. Yeah. But he didn't have any blunt force trauma. This is actually a really interesting theory. Mm -hmm. Some people believe that it wasn't just Joseph. If it was Joseph. Again, everyone's innocent until proven guilty, so I don't want to put that out there saying it was Joseph. This is what I was wondering, if it was multiple people. Well, some police officers found it hard to believe that one person could do that horrific amount of damage Mm -hmm. on six individuals. How could you be that fast, Mm -hmm. is what I'm wondering, because you said the two boys ran to the bedroom. Right. I just can't see him killing. wasn't huge. Okay, it was just hard for me to see him killing four people Mm -hmm. and not, and those boys not having enough time to get the gun. Right. That seems weird to me. Right. And my thought too was like, was someone else using the hammer and Mm -hmm. then someone had the gun? That's weird. It's just weird. Okay, sorry. I thought that was weird. And that's been a big question. I'm like, Mm -hmm. so if it, so that's why a lot of people say, well, maybe it wasn't Joseph, but then they thought, so was it someone else with him? If it was him... Or did he hire people? As well, a lot of people don't know. Sadly, it looks like there may never be justice for the Robinson family. That's really sad. Although many have tried and looked at it all together, there was little evidence or evidence that was destroyed, Mm -hmm. and there was no conclusion that was written down in ink. So Mm -hmm. many people have questions, though, about all of this. Yeah. Okay. Why didn't anyone report the Robinsons missing in a month after the shooting? Yeah, wait, don't they have any family members or anything? That's what I was just wondering. Well, that and also what I thought about was... What about their car. Oh, their car, yeah. They drove up there and they said, hey, we're leaving. If they haven't gone anywhere from June 25th until yeah. 27 days later in July, they don't no have Ubers. Ubers. Yeah. So you just thought, oh, their car's still there. Oh, their car's still there. But the note on the door still said, be back July 1st. Maybe they thought someone else came to pick them up. Yeah. Because I'm so sure they did not have taxis up north in a very rural, I'm guessing it's a rural area. It's a yeah, small population. Yeah, so but. how, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if there's anything um, malicious about that, though, because that would imply that the neighbors, like... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The other question are is, to, the, to this day, where are the weapons? Mm. They have not found them. Yeah. And the police doesn't recall evidence of hair on Shirley's body, but if it did exist, why were hair samples not compared? How is there absolutely no evidence whatsoever mm-hmm. that they could test now? And then was organized crime playing a role? Mm-hmm. Who was Robert? <laughs> That's uh, Robert. People wanted to know why there was a story going around that Richard owed $12,000 a month to the mob. Okay. But no one covers that. And yeah. that's how this whole case was conducted. So uh-huh. you're, the community was left knowing, like, unknowing what was a rumor and what was a fact. Right. The entire time. But police didn't know either. So police don't know if he for sure owed money to the mob. Because here was another thing I was going to say. Being in Detroit, he's working with all these shady people. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I mean, I don't know for sure, but you hear a lot of stories like this, that right. the mob and the police are working together. You, know? you hear that a lot. You know, so that makes me wonder, too, was it, was it a hitman who was hired? And then Lloyd Stearns even stated that Richard was, a, was hard to predict, mm-hmm. and his life did not help them in this case. Mm-hmm. Stearns thought the whole part of the superior table and Robert and all the names he listed mm-hmm. and everything, Stearns thought it might be a fantasy of his. There was nothing oh. to indicate otherwise, but again, we don't know. Interesting. But he couldn't, they couldn't find anything, like the superior okay, table. Okay, so they couldn't find anything about these people. No, and they thought, did he just make this up? And they just found that from the drawings and letters. Mm-hmm, in his, in Richard's desk. But no one could make sense of it, and they're like, did they? Maybe he was unstable. Because that's another thing, too. Maybe he really did, maybe, 
I don't know. That's this is a really hard case. I know because there's. I just feel like there's a lot of possibilities. And you want to just be like, no, it's them. Uh, yeah, it's them. But at the same time, can you arrest somebody just because mm-hmm. they're so they could fit into they, that mold? You exactly. Don't know for sure. But it sounds like if he his you said his dad or his father in law who owned the gun range. Father in law. Father in law owns the gun range mm-hmm. where the shell casings match the guns he has. Mm-hmm. And they were gonna press charges, but he yes. took his own life. So they I just never feel know. like. That is a lot of evidence it is. against him. It is. And if he was embezzling money from, and he maybe he thought the only way I can get out of this is to murder him because he knows what I'm doing. And he didn't find out. And Richard did not know this until June 25th. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's a long time to be gone. And yeah. if he went shopping, I'm sure they fucking had receipts in the 60s. Well, right? So he's like, well, I threw it away. Yeah. But, like, we'll never find it. I don't know. That's just crazy to me. Well, I still find it crazy just about the weapons. And did he buy those certain weapons because he was familiar with them from his father-in-law's gun range? Yeah. No one knows. You know? It's just more and more questions. Yeah. But anyway, um, just to wrap this up. So the, co- the cottage was demolished in 1970. Mm-hmm. They said the smell of death seeped into the wooden frames. Oh, Lord. And it was also stated that the blood outline of Shirley stayed on the floor until it was torn down. That is spooky. They just couldn't care. That is sad. This, I I know this is pretty common. Yeah. And out of respect to the deceased, not many people want to move in. Mm -hmm. Um, You have some people that are like, it's fine, it's a house. Yeah, but that's a a brutal murder. Right. That's not just like someone passed away in their sleep. And I found, I mean, you find this all the time, like there's just a house missing and it's, Mm -hmm. everything else is still where that time period was. And you're like, well, something happened there. Yeah. Um, but that's the tragedy of the Robinson family. Wow. I'll have all oh. the resources listed and where I read all the articles. Actually, this one's really cool because mm-hmm. the Detroit Free Press, they have their edition. It was July 4th, 1993. That's yeah. where I found, like, the pictures and all the newspaper articles. Yeah. You can find that online. I know. I'm about to go see it. Was, it was this. really interesting yeah, just to see it. that bugs me. But the more you talked about that, the less I think it was the other two mm-hmm. people. Well, that's where a lot of people are at. You know. But it's still amazing that, because I thought it would be just split, like, is it Joseph or it's not. Mm-hmm. And someone thought it was a hitman or whatever. Yeah. But so many people believe that John Collins. I wonder why, though. I don't, I guess I just, maybe just because of how he's portrayed, I just feel bad for the caretaker. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel him being, because, like, the family was really hurt from that. The more and we talk about it, the more I feel like he was just very grieved and put into it. Grief stricken mm-hmm. at that time too. Yeah. You know, cause that is kind of cheap just to, if, especially if your kid was his, his kid was your kid's friend, the one who just passed mm-hmm. away. And you just stop by like, here's 20 bucks. Yeah. Like, sorry, I can't be there. Yeah. I don't know why couldn't he just buy flowers and then go to the house. Maybe he had other things on his mind though. I know. I mean, because I guess this whole day he found out that his business partner has been embezzling money. So he has an art magazine, right? Was yeah. he just a very creative person and like, Someone was mad. Maybe he just made these things up. Well, that's what a lot of people say. Creative. Because they just said a creative person. Well, just writing or, you know. No, when we think about hitmen again, if mm-hmm. this, the, what, what was it called? The round table? Superior table. Superior table. table. <laughs> the round table. The round table might be like a Camelot. We're knights of the round table. <laughs> um, the superior table. Yeah. Is it superior because they're by Lake Superior? Lake Superior's up north. Oh. They're in Detroit. I'm sorry. The Erie Table. The yeah, Superior Table. Wherever they're located, yeah. Um, all I could think too is maybe Joseph, you know, since he's seeming kind of shady, he's embezzling mm-hmm. money, 
does he 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 owed money to a lot of people that's what it said six people so what if you know he threw his business partner under the bus and said Mm -hmm. listen you know if you get rid of him i can Mm -hmm. have more money they have money on them because also if this was personal why would he steal i don't know i guess it doesn't make sense to me the things that were stolen like it would make sense to me Mm -hmm. a hitman who was just trying to get money right would steal, you know, the jewelry and the cash or whatever. And I guess Joseph might too, but I don't know. I just wonder if It was he, an odd... And maybe he really did go to the store and do all these things, but he had hired somebody mm-hmm. else, so he did have, like, kind of an alibi. You don't know? I don't, I don't know. know. That's a really good case. But it made me so mad. Oh, yeah. That, just the some of the stuff was so like... Pissed. Should we wrap up this episode? Yeah. Uh, let us know, guys, what you think. Make sure you guys, if you enjoy what you're listening to, subscribe to our podcast. It helps us get out to more people. It helps you so you know when we have new episodes uploaded. Let us know. But what yeah, you tell think. us any uh, other cases you'd like to hear. Yes, we have an email. Um, we'll have it down in the show notes. Mm-hmm. If, or if you have opinions on this case, send them to us. Yeah, I would I love would, to know. I would love to know your theory. Yes. On it. Me too. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye.